This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. Joining me this week, two folks here to pick up their comics and immediately put them in poly bags. Nick White. As long as I'm here, the lions aren't losing. <laughs> and Paloma. Hello, hello from the Baja Blast Queen. <laughs> Thank you both for joining me today. This is episode 349 of I Read Comic Books. I'm very excited to talk about comic books. We don't have any announcements. We don't have anything exciting to talk about this week. So let's just dive right into the two legally mandated questions that I have for you every single episode of the show. How have you been? How have comic books been? Let's start with you, Nick. Uh, I've I've been pretty good. Uh, the West Michigan Weather Watch would be that uh, it's been it's been real blustery. And I'm sure uh, Paloma's probably dealt with this as well. It sounds like yes. everybody's been... Uh, like 30, 35 mile per hour winds, 55 mile per hour gusts. Uh, yeah, it's just a real windy, windy time. And mm-hmm. uh, just another reason to stay inside and um, continue to um, uh, marathon my shows. Right now, simultaneously, it's uh, Star Trek The Next Generation and King of the Hill. Clearly, you know. <laughs> Getting the most out of the, your Paramount Plus you subscription know, is what yeah. I'm hearing. <laughs> well, I mean, tech, technically, Michael, King of the Hill is on Hulu, but yes. Uh, oh, okay. okay. But um, yeah, uh, Paramount Plus is Star Trek. Um, they really should just name it. All we have is Star Trek and CSI, but that's yeah. that's long. So, you know, here we are, Paramount Plus. Beyond that, uh, I have been getting some reading done. One of the books I recently read was uh, Hellboy in Love, number one. This came out a few weeks ago. A story by Christopher Golden, art by Matt Smith. Uh, not that Matt Smith. Uh, <laughs> he's he's not that talented. Um, we're going to get some feedback on that, I'm sure. Uh, Chris O'Halloran on art. Clem Robbins on letters. Uh, confusingly enough, Mike Mignola has a c- credit on the front cover, and he has a writer credit on Dark Horse's website. But if you go hmm. by the interior credits page, he doesn't. So not quite sure what's going on there. Um, I think it probably boils down to, as I've relayed on this show once or twice before, like Mike Mignola in an interview was like, yeah, they always give me a writer credit because I created Hellboy. But most of the time that writer credit is being on a call for like five minutes with the real writer. And they explain everything that's going to happen. And I uh-huh. go, yep. That sounds good. And then they give me a writer <laughs> credit for that. <laughs> you know, I think in Hollywood, that's also how it works for some people. Like yeah. you get to a certain like level of writers and or things that you've accomplished. And eventually you just become someone someone makes like a phone call with um, and you somehow manage a writer's credit. So, you know, yeah, I guess not too bad of a deal. Yeah, on, honestly, I, I, I appreciate the honesty and it's not just like, oh, yeah, I wrote this and it's like, OK, did you really? But yeah, I I enjoyed this. It's sort of, well, first off, I don't know what happened to Dave Stewart. So this is just another uh, Dave Stewart watch announcement. We haven't seen Dave Stewart on a Hellboy book in a while now. I'm beginning to be concerned. Uh, Dave, if you're out there, just let us know. Um, I'm not sure if maybe he's like gone off and he's exploring other color palettes outside of black, reds, and and grays. And maybe he's, okay. (laughs) Sorry, Dave. I mean, I love your stuff. I love your stuff, but I still wonder sometimes if like you haven't like renewed your Photoshop subscription and you're just like stuck with like 16 colors. <laughs> if that's how it works, yeah. like what? A- okay, this is- we're not going to get into that. Nick, tell us about this book, yeah, please. It's- uh, honestly, Dave, I love you. It's it's not personal, but uh, yeah, it's it's an interesting book. Obviously, as the premise suggests, it is sort of kind of like a Hellboy in love narrative. I mean, it's 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 a weird meet cute if ever there was one. Uh, Hellboy has basically been assigned to protecting this train uh, where goblins have been stealing from people. And uh, he's having to protect it on this day where this archaeologist um, named Anastasia is um, having to transport these precious artifacts to this museum. And of course, the goblins strike and Hellboy leaps in to help her. And of course, you know, she thinks that he's not much more than like this hired thug. Basically, he's the muscle and 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 she thinks and he thinks that she's not like, you know, willing to get, you know, get in there and roll their sleeves back and 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 fight. And of course, both of them turn out to find that the other one is, a you know, contains multitudes, as the phrase goes, and, um, you know, has more to offer. I mean, she wears a Yankees cap and I won't hold that against her. And that's kind of a personal problem. But um, 
beyond that, uh, honestly, it's a great looking book. Matt Smith has worked with colorist Chris O'Halloran before. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, They both did uh, Folklords. Folklords? Was it Folklore? Oh, Folklords at nice. Boom. Yeah. So they both collaborated on that. And then both of them worked together on Hellboy, The Bones of Giants, which was like the weird comic book adaptation of a Hellboy novel, which was never a comic, but was a novel first. And then like 10 years later became a comic because weird things like that happen. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's got everything you want. There's a punk show in it. Um, there's a big man in a little car sequence. If you were looking for one of those, it's got that too. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> yeah, it's got like a big Hellboy driving a little car. It's funny. It's, it's I know, I know. Look, but just is it is it like 1952? Like it's like 1979 that... <laughs> England. Sure, I believe. Sure. Um, look, Michael. It's if I have to explain the joke, does it really continue to be funny? I don't. <laughs> I guess, you know, I spoke without <laughs> thinking because quite honestly, having a story take place in 1952 is not beyond the purview of Hellboy. In fact, there's an that's entire right. series called Hellboy 1952. So never mind. Never mind me. Never mind me. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the ones I've been reading. Uh, what about you, Paloma? How have you been? What have you been reading? I hope the the winds haven't been too uh, crazy over there where you are. I've been pretty good, you know, just obsessed with making eggs since I was at without them for like two weeks, uh, surviving these winds and reading some good stuff. I've I'd have been slacking a little. I was reading uh, books without pictures for a while, but uh, now I'm back on my comics grind and I picked up Dark Ride number one from Image Comics by Joshua Williamson and Andre Bresson. Nice. I believe they're the Birthright team which is like a series from Image Comics. Yeah. And so Dark Ride like opens up with like this Walt Disney seeming guy who really wants to make spooky stuff and his wife's like no, no one wants scary theme parks. Get over it. And mm-hmm. then maybe something mysterious makes a deal with him. Flash forward, <laughs> we get a spooky-esque Disneyland with little devil. There's a very cute unhinged looking devil character as their mascot and then we follow this young man just gets a job there very excited your classic like scans all the youtubes being like i know all the secret passageways and all of like these fun facts about this this theme park so very much that we even see a youtuber at this theme park hell yeah but uh things a little spicy where we meet the two adult children of this walt disney spooky man uh, his has a daughter named Halloween, and his son is named. <laughs> I'm gonna say it literally how I'm seeing it. Samheim. I'm not sure to pronounce that. Oh, Samheim. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. So very on brand, and there's just something sinister uh, in this in this park. So I'm excited to see where it goes. I'm okay. like, who's the main character? By the end of this first issue, I'm like, oh. This is anyone's game. That's interesting. Yeah. So is this was this an enjoyable read? I feel like you're 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 ending with a lot of questions and I'm not sure how you feel about the book. <laughs> uh normally when I have this, I think what I've been reading lately has just been leaving with a lot of questions. I feel like the first sure. issue set up nowadays is like I have so many questions, but I did like right. it. I just I just need to know. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I was I very much on the edge of this because I I never could get into Birthright. I think Nick, you were reading Birthright for a while, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then and then it went on forever, and that's when right, I said, right. okay. But I don't know. You're kind of selling me on this. If there's like a lot of mystery, that's the kind of thing that I dig on. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe I'll have to check this out, or maybe I'll have to trade weight it because that's usually my go-to with image books these days. Which I don't know how good that <laughs> is for the industry or not. But at this point, like I'm just like you know what? I'll give me a trade because I can't trust just one issue because i got yeah. i've been burned too many times um and we won't bring up all the number of times i was burned so let's <laughs> just leave it at that but i'm glad you dug it enough are you going to continue reading then you're looking at number two hopefully i'm looking for number two i'm debating okay. whether to add it to my pull list so just for gotcha. the thrill just to feel something to add something to my pull list <laughs> but uh gotcha what else have you been gotcha. reading mike um i i've been reading a lot and a little. I tried to get caught up on all my weekly Shonen Jump comics, so I read a lot of Chainsaw Man, One nice. Piece, 
My Hero Academia, despite my body willingly trying to shut me down, <laughs> trying to close off all of my organs to stop me from reading more My Hero Academia. It's so up and down and bad. <laughs> but I did. Uh, I will say I started. I'm going to just briefly touch on just a couple things and I'll actually tell you what I read. But um, I'm continuing my Doro Doro journey. I yes. just finished volume eight. Loving that series. I need to just pick up the pace. Need to get back on that horse and, and just ride it full steam ahead. I'm still watching Hellraiser movies, uh, despite my better judgment. Uh, Hellraiser 7 was bad, but it was better than 5. Hellraiser 8 was really bad, but it was better than 7 and 5. Ooh. Hellraiser 8, though, wonderful film in that it's a good movie up until the last maybe 30 minutes. Um, be one, because it stars Henry Cavill as a young, horny college kid. And I didn't realize that I was going to be so excited to see him get murdered. And also, it's it's like someone had just watched the movie Scream and saw at the same time. And they were like, what if we did that but for Hellraiser? And then they didn't know how to execute on it at all. So um, don't watch Hellraiser 8. It's bad. This Hellraiser 8 is also the last movie that features the original guy, David something i can't remember what his name is who played Hellraiser. So after that, it's a new actor. And I saw pre pictures online and it's... It's not good, so pray for me. Um, <laughs> and the last thing I'll say is Andor is the best television show that you can watch, period. That's it. It's the best TV show. I've never been so excited for a TV show since maybe the first episode of Heroes back in the day. What? After I watched episode 10 or 9, whatever the most recent one was. I was so hyped. Back in the day, I was really, really hyped for Heroes. Oh, yeah. I, was a, I was a pesky 17-year-old kid and i was like you know what this is going to be the greatest thing ever and then that show sucks um and or on the other hand incredible television from beginning to end um no episode misses it all pays off everything feels worthwhile i love that show so we can have a totally different conversation. I know Brian's listening right now and he just wants to talk to me about Andor all day, every day. Maybe <laughs> we'll do a special little one-off thing sometime in the future. But for as for what I was reading, I did read Chilling Adventures of Salem. Uh, someone talked about that pretty recently on the show. And I was like, you know what? Cullen Bunn knows what he's doing with little one-shots and stuff. And uh, the art on this book is by Dan Shoning. Um, and Matt Herms and Jack Morelli. And, you know, this wasn't a bad comic, you know, which it, is a weird way for me to say that it was a good comic, but good in like a simple one shot rarely requires like a massive praise so much as it's befitting of like a, I'm glad this was simple and fun, which many sh one shots I feel are not like they're really overcomplicated. And then they have a really fast payoff. This book is like Salem's a talking cat. And then the story continues. That's all you really need to know. And I appreciate that Cullen Bunn was able to do a little bit of murder, a little bit of crazy guy. He's got a basement that he's sacrificing things in order to summon demons, like hitting on all the notes that make the chilling adventures of Sabrina a really fun like story to read and then turning it and adding Salem's side to it. Um, of course, I took the benefit of of having a relationship uh, with the Sabrina series going into this. So like, you know, I've read Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. I know what that series is all about. And I also watched all of Sabrina the Teenage Witch as a kid. So I know who Salem is. So maybe that that kind of informed my enjoyment of it. But nonetheless, a story about a talking cat who kills a guy who's murdering pets is like a killer book. So um, highly recommend that if you're looking for a spooky read still going into November. Um, I realized I read this at the end of the month, but for me, it was timed perfectly with Halloween. So uh, that was good stuff. Otherwise, Nick, what about you? How, what else have you been reading? I also made the mistake of starting reading uh, Star Wars comics again, which is oh, always, no. yeah, I know, back on this <laughs> bullshit. Here we go. Sipalova shaking her head. <laughs> Buckle in. Here comes the shit storm. Um, yeah, I, I read Star Wars Bounty Hunters Volume 1. I say that because I was going to say volume four and then I started reading volume four and it's sort of, I think we've all had this with a book where you haven't read the series for a while and you're just trying to like plow through the issues and you're like, I don't remember any of these fucking people. And I was like, none of this makes any sense. And it's, you just start playing a game of chicken with yourself of like, are you just going to keep reading this book? Are you going to, are you just going to go back and start at volume one again and, and do the responsible thing? And I got about a third of the way through the volume and I'm like, I don't understand what any of this is about. And normally when I forget these sort of things in a Star Wars book, inevitably someone shows up with a lightsaber or says, I'm an I'm a member of the extended Skywalker family. And it's sort of like a mile marker on the road when you're lost and you're like, OK, like I kind of have an idea of like where I am now. And you're like, it's, it's like a reorienteering 
like a reorienting force except this book is like no we want to keep talking about these two warring crime syndicate families on Corellia and I'm like that's great but I don't remember any of this and so eventually I just you know went back and and started volume one again and I can't complain too much about this because like my biggest issue with the Star Wars books is always like uh, there has to be a Skywalker in every single book and mm-hmm. Chewbacca has to show up inevitably and like not an Andor. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> okay, okay. Don't 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 backdoor this into your thing. Um <laughs> and uh I'm not going to complain because I I want original characters, I want original plots, I want writers that are like doing interesting things that don't involve Jedi, that involve their own creations. And so Mm -hmm. I I get what I deserve. So when I don't remember this whole Corellia crime syndicate bullshit, that's on me, you know? So I'm not going to be like, if Chewbacca showed up every other page, I wouldn't have a problem. But (laughs) so, you know. All in all, I'm sure people are confused, and and I guess my takeaway here is read Bounty Hunters, but start at Volume One and and pay attention, and um, uh, uh, just just read it all now. I guess would be the advice. Um, otherwise, you're gonna have to restart it like me. It, to to be to be fair, what made it worse was that Volume Three basically was roped into the Crimson Dawn event, which was the whole event that had to do with making the plot of solo actually relevant which full credit that was a big undertaking but uh that made it even harder to go back and try to remember everything the other one i want to briefly bring up is a manga that i am just so much in love with lately and that is uh wave listen to me uh wave listen to me exclamation point technically Mm -hmm. and this is by hiroki samura and Hiroki Samura is perhaps best known for writing and drawing Blade of the Immortal from 93 to 2012, mm-hmm. uh, which was adapted in the uh, United States by Dark Horse. Um, absolutely, absolutely just killer freaking manga. I think I think Xander got me interested in that one. And he's like, you got to read this book. And I was like, I don't know, like a samurai manga. Like, I don't know. That seems kind of like boring. And he's like, no. You got to read this book. I, Nick, who are you to think a samurai story is boring, first off? But, um, you know, it's like it feels like it could phone it in. Right. It feels sure. like, all right, this could be phoned in. But, sure. you know, it's this really cool story about this guy who, like, seemingly, like, can't die because of these weird worms in his body. And, like, when the people chop off his arms, as long as he, like, puts them back together, he keeps living. And it's. Great book, great book. Obviously, you know, this man basically writes this book for nearly nearly two decades, finishes it. You'd think after that, this guy would take a break, maybe like a long-deserved break. Literally less than two years later, he's rolling out a brand new manga, Wave Listen to Me, and it is like, it is night and day, okay? Visually, similar-looking book, amazing art, but this book has nothing to do with samurai, okay? It is this book about this woman named Minari Koda, this 26-year-old woman. She works as a floor manager at a restaurant. She breaks up with her boyfriend. She drunkenly rants about this at a bar. And this guy sitting near her hears her, like, ranting and raving and, like, basically, you know, going on this tirade, right? And He's he's actually a, a radio producer, and he thinks, well, gosh, like I think you've got what it takes to be a radio personality, and so <laughs> yeah, and, you know, like a like a like a Howard Stern, you know, shock jockey sure. sort of thing, and so sure. he he brings her in, and you know, starts teaching her and and basically putting her on this path to becoming a radio personality and like meanwhile she's trying to juggle her old job and and this new job and um it's like not like a lot of manga out there or at least the manga i know again i'm kind of new with this stuff so like nobody's trying to navigate high school in this manga that's a plus for me you know like the manga where there's like a 26 year old character and someone's like well that person's halfway in the grave right you know (laughs) um yeah, <laughs> this person yeah. is 36. OK, by manga standards, they're dead. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, so you've got that. You've got a main female protagonist that isn't sexualized. That's a big plus. She drinks and swears. It doesn't really have her shit together. Um, again, like 
I dig that. It basically feels like a slice of life book, but it's not like a American slice of life book and that it doesn't feel, you know how a lot of slice of life books just feel quaint. They feel quaint. They're like, Oh, you know, this is so nice. And all these fun things are happening. Like this is not quaint. Okay. You and I are not reading the same slice of life comics. Apparently not. What are you reading? My goodness. I mean, I I feel like a lot of slice of life, I don't know, a lot of slice of life manga that I read it, it deals with the trials of tribulations, trials and tribulations of like real life in the the happy or like the ups and downs, the sad moments, the happy moments, like the realistic moments of like, man, I can't stand that I never eat healthy, but you know what? Today I'm going to McDonald's again. You know, think things like that that I think all of us are dealing with as people. Uh, yeah. I, whatever these quaint manga are, you should send them my way because I can't seem to find them. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. But uh, yeah, I mean. I like all that. You learn a little about the how the radio industry works. And for me, like one of the like the cherry on the top for me enjoying a manga is when it has that stupid niche subreddit feel of like getting you to dive deep into some stupid hyper niche topic that sure. nobody else knows about. And like one day you're a normal person and the next day you're like, hey, I only drink water with a pH of between four and seven because that's what I'm reading on the Internet now. Nick, don't drink water with a pH of four. I just want to say that. <laughs> OK, that's too late. No. Um, <laughs> so so for me, like having this niche of learning about like how a radio station works and all of the different tricks of the trade. It's interesting. Um, yeah. Can't recommend this book enough. And can't recommend Blades, Blade of the Immortal enough. So if you haven't read either, they're both stellar. Cool. <laughs> Nick, your definition of brief, very different than mine. Uh, Paloma, what, <laughs> yeah. what, what else have you Look, been reading? I love the book. Is this a crime? What are you going to do? Are you going to tell Dave Stewart on me? Is that, is that what's going <laughs> I am. Oh, man. Uh, I do want to say I l- am just so impressed evermore by like, manga creators that not only have to like take the time to you know draw and write whole series but then they have to do so much research to learn about these different like jobs or like lifestyles that they're then writing about Mm -hmm. just always admirable it's like brian brian is reading this dinosaur sanctuary book where they actually have like a paleontologist like on staff right. or, yes. so that they could put little facts and 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 stuff in there it's really cool or like vinland saga at the back when there's like 30 pages of him doing a comic about him yeah. researching the book and i'm like this is so, so much cool. work this is so much work yeah just just wow just impressive so another book that I read, the the two comics that are recommended to me, I went to my coworker and I was like, hey, Steven, just, just pick out some number ones for me. So this is reflective of his taste. So my two picks are <laughs> eerier than I would normally choose for myself. And I picked up his recommendation, Blink number one by Christopher Sabela, who wrote Crowded, um, which was an image series that I thought was really cool. And then Hayden Sherman is on art with Nick Filardi. It's from Oni Press. I thought the art was phenomenal. It really, like, it's one of those books where the main character, they're very in attack. They're, like, glued to a screen trying to, like, solve some conspiracy. It's about, like, lost memories that our main character has, was in foster care, maybe escaped some underground facility, and just a lot of hyperfixation, a lot of I won't be happy until I find answers which is how i feel about i mean i was very pleased with the book but it's one of those (laughs) i need answers yeah i don't really know what's happening but i need answers that's that's the vibe i can't say more about it because i don't know what's happening but um (laughs) (laughs) well you sold me you sold me i I only say that because christopher sabela yes fantastic books i hayden sherman i love to death i read his the the book that he did wasted space over at vault um and i love that despite the ups and downs and weird press that I feel like that book got, but we got quoted in their Kickstarter. So now I have to say that, uh, yeah, I love it. Um, but either way, I love that book. I love Hayden Sherman's work. So, um, this, this kind of sounds to me like that book that Sabela did called test a while ago. I don't know if you guys remember that. I feel like that book like flew under the radar because it was a, it was kind of a mess, but like this, this guy goes to like this town after being experimented on for years and years. And 
he turns out like going to this town was also part of the like experimentations that he had. Oh. It was a really bizarro book where Sabela was trying to say a lot with a very small story. Um, this kind of sounds like that to me um, think, in a weird way. I think but, it might be. There's paranormal stuff, also an implied cult. But again, I I have no clue. Um, <laughs> well, I was really to- charmed by there's like was a panel multiple panels of our main character like clicking on a mouse more rapidly and then just how the artist interpreted that kind of like mm-hmm. maybe obsession and just like unable to give up on this on this quest that seemed fruitless i i really like that's what sold me was the clicking on the cursor of the mouse <laughs> sometimes enchanted. it's just one little thing about a book i totally get that um, well, let me talk about two books really quick before we move into the top of our pile picks. Um, I read Aquaman Andromeda number three. All I want to say is that book rules and everyone should read it. Rom V, Christian Ward, everybody who worked on that book did such a fantastic job of like telling an Aquaman story, but also telling a really cool underwater sci-fi story without making it about superheroes. Like the superhero bit is in the story, but that is not what the story is about. And I loved it i cannot wait to get a hardcover version of this that i can just put on my shelf and then every once in a while flip to a random christian ward page and then cry <laughs> mm-hmm. because it's so beautiful yeah this is this is both of these creators at the top of their game and i can't recommend this book enough um so make sure you either go grab those single issues those huge oversized weird black label issues that no one seems to have bags and boards for um <laughs> Or wait until the hardcover comes out because it's going to be magnificent, even though it's going to be like 35 bucks or 40 bucks or something. Um, It's going to be well worth the price. The other book I want to talk about really quick, not really quick at all, uh, Forest Hills Bootleg Society. This is Nicole Goh and Dave Baker, good friends of the show. We love them. They love us. I know it's the truth because Dave and I always say like wave to each other on Instagram. Um, But (laughs) this story is uh, it's about four friends stuck in a small conservative Christian town. They're juggling their lives and discovered that there's money to be made in bootleg anime porn. Um, (laughs) Along the way, we find out that life can be quite complicated (laughs) More so than you could ever imagine. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how else to pitch the book because there's so much to it, right? Like yeah. it's such a, it's a thick book. It's 230 pages. It's really wordy. Um, like, and that's not a knock against like Dave and Nicole's like creation, like ability. Like it's a very wordy book. And I really sort of do appreciate it by the end because all of the extra stuff that's kind of jammed into this story adds so much color to it um adds so much personality adds so much realness to it and then in the end when you get to the end of this book it like hurts the way that it ends like i was so broken up on about about this book at the end because it it it's like there's so many so much like depth to every single character that gets thrown on the page whether they're there for a couple of pages or there for the whole story we get so much background and so much information um about people that there is no bad guy in the story there is just life and i i love that the villain of the story in heavy quotes is living life and like Mm -hmm. the ups and downs that come from that it's incredibly harsh grounded in reality to the point where i was seeing my own like pains and sorrows from high school come up in a way that I was like, I don't want to feel this feeling anymore. And yet I kept reading through the book. I I love the implication that you get from the end of this, the story. I didn't even the end of it, but like every moment in the story, there's these beats where they kind of give you a deep dive on a character in a really smart way. And you, you come to realize, or at least I did by the end that every person has a whole universe inside of them. Every life is being lived fully to its end potential. This, this idea that everyone's the main character, their own story is kind of perfect in the way that they describe this and i'm like really mad at how simple of an idea this comic is about these four girls who are just trying to make money so they can get matching jackets (laughs) and it's so powerful like everything that nicole and dave did it's it's it feels so atypical the way that they approach their storytelling i feel like you got this out of everyone is tulip you get this a little bit from fuck off squad but like when you get to the end of their books, there's always this big message there that was like staring you in the face and you don't really realize it until it kind of blows up right in front of you. And I felt that so much in the most out of all of their books that I've read um, with Forest Hills Bootleg Society. So go read this book and be ready to hurt. Like if you if you're a fan of something like The Incredible Doom, that book came out. It's really, really good. I think you really like this. It takes place in 2005. It's like right around that time where like VHSs were dying and DVDs were growing. And so like the idea of a bootleg thing where there isn't there is Internet, but there isn't so cool. I love the the way that they they set up the world. 
uh, or the, the world that the story takes place in. And uh, it's funny and it's really sad and it hurts. But that, those are my favorite kind of comics. Let's let's go through the list of Mike's favorite comics that he said on the show. And I guarantee you all of them have made him cry at some point. So <laughs> highly recommend this. Paloma, it sounds like you read this book as well. Yeah, I read it recently. I think the week it came out. Mm-hmm. And I love that creative team as well. And it, it blew me away because like you said, it like was something so simple that probably so many yous from the time did of like getting your anime. They were originally trying to get um like some Studio Ghibli films. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then they end yeah. up with like hentai and it it was it was bleak. It's kinda it's hard to read like teens, like all of the teens. All those girls, like they're sad and struggling. Mm-hmm. Also, there's just hilarity throughout, and then just reading their, I'm like, wow, yeah, this is teenagers' thoughts of like this would be their plan. <laughs> um, yes, but the ending was brutal, just in the sense where life goes on, where you're like beaten down, but you kind of keep going, and maybe you're still not satisfied. And I was like, they're kids, they're kids, and there's I know, I know, ugh. That's like the the most like oh, it's such a oh, there's not even like an epilogue. I mean, there there is there isn't. But anyways, everyone should read this book. It's great. Uh, I think it's like proof that there can be some really powerful moving graphic novels out there. I don't understand how this was published by Simon and Schuster's quote unquote kids publishing line right? because this is not a kid's book. I looked into it because I saw that it's published by like Anthem Publishing, which is a subsidiary of Simon and Schuster. And I'm pretty sure Anthem publishes like younger like ya books this is not a ya book by any means anyways (laughs) yeah i'm glad i'm glad you enjoyed it as well but let's let's move forward let's let's get past the sadness that i felt this afternoon as i finished this book let's talk about comics that are on the top of our pile every week on ivory comic books we pick one book or sometimes people pick two and i get really mad about it off mic um but sometimes we usually pick one book and uh to talk about whether it's a new book an old book something that's been on a forever to read list and we talk about it here on the show so let's get things started paloma what is on the top of your pile this week all right, I'm looking at it right now. Even I pre-ordered it. I was so hyped. But it is Everyday Hero Machine Boy by Irma Nivola and mm-hmm. Tree Vong. It's a coming-of-age story. Follows Machine Boy, little robot kid with, like, nice chunky sneakers and, you know, like a letterman's jacket. And he knows some martial arts. He lives with some older people. He's experienced some sadness. And it's about him, like, doing his best to help others because his programming was for destruction. So interesting. I'm ready to be moved. I'm just a, a sucker for ro- robots feeling things. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's fantastic. That's the new this Barnes really and Noble cute. category right next to supernatural <laughs> teen romance is ro- robots feeling things. Right, right. That's that looks that sounds amazing. I, I'm guessing you've also read uh, Oh Human Star. No. Oh, I think you would really like that. Really uh, I, that. It's it's done by uh, Blue Delacuante, uh, who did oh. the, there was a graphic novel they did called Meal yes, about I've alternate that meat one. anywhere they eat bugs yes. and stuff. Where it's it's pretty cool. Um, yeah, I, Oh Human Star is very much about a robot feeling some feelings. Oh, I, yeah. I'll tell you that. Um, oh. Yeah. So, but this looks really cute. I like the I like the cover. I like the interior art previews that they've got. So. Looking forward to hear what you think of this after you get a chance to read it. Oh, yeah. All right. What about you, Nick? What's on your pile? Well, I still haven't decided if this book is called Kaya or Kaya. So um, Mm. however you interpret that, um, I'm just pumped for issue number two by Wes Craig. Yes. Um, Absolutely love the first issue. Absolutely love everything Wes Craig does, even if Rick Remender had him tied up to that desk in the basement drawing Deadly Class for <laughs> for like eight to ten years. And I was like, please let him do something else. This book is too violent. Can't believe we've been recording this show for almost eight years and we didn't have like a free West t-shirt or something. <laughs> oh my <laughs> gosh. <laughs> it's very insulting. Wes Craig, Rick Remender, we love you guys. We're we, just we're just joking. Yeah, just joking. I mean, you know, honestly, Deadly Class is a is a great looking book, but it just makes me feel bad when I read that book. It just it's just unrelentingly bleak, and maybe mm-hmm. I didn't get far enough, and and it turns the corner, but I just didn't get that far. Um, but I love this book. I love the first issue. It's really really good. I think last time when we discussed it on the 
uh, number one issue up with Danny. I mentioned that um, there was also a story in image, image exclamation point, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. uh, the image or whatever the um, the anthology series they're doing in celebration of their 30th anniversary. Uh, and I'm, I'm pleased to say that that uh, story is actually totally original. I was sort of concerned that maybe like they had taken parts or pieces of the first issue or the series and sort of chopped it up for people to have a sampler. But no, it turns out that at least everything I've seen in image um, is all original new stuff. And I'm sure some people out there are like, well, of course it is. What are you stupid? And yes. So (laughs) yeah, Uh, just super pumped. And I just wish image would change the name of their book uh, from image exclamation point, because anytime I write about this for this podcast or anything, Google docs goes, Oh, exclamation point. That's the end of the sentence. We're going to capitalize the next letter of whatever you write. And I just, I'm just, I'm just so mad. Um, See, here's the thing, Nick. Mm. You're pronouncing it wrong. Mm. I, I keep, when you keep saying image, I think you're talking about the publisher, but you're talking about image, yeah. which is how you're supposed to say <laughs> that it. is that book. I'm uh, sorry. I'm sure there's yeah. a ton of people that are now clued in. <laughs> They're like, oh, that book. Gosh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, the only th- other thing I want to say about this is like image. Why not do uh, an anthology book that isn't just for 12 issues? And I'm sure you're going to say anthology books don't sell. And that's why you're in charge and not me. Uh, but mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. why not? Why not? Dark Horse did it for a really long time. I mean, here's the thing, Nick. How many of these image issues yeah. have you bought so far? Like six, seven? However oh, okay. many so you're, are you're out. actually buying. That's yeah. all I'm asking. I'm yeah. just making sure. Just making sure. Yeah. Danny in the chat says he's also bought all of them. So, okay, maybe I'm wrong. Two out of... 50 people i don't know we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll figure out what the numbers yeah. look like but yeah well for me i guess before i get into my picks or my pick for this week we've got some folks hanging out with us live danny's reading the death of superman 30th anniversary or anniversary special number one i shouldn't have even announced that how dare you danny um <laughs> and brian's reading how do we relationship volume seven uh if i missed anybody else i'm really sorry uh it's been a chaotic day but for me this week i am excited for peow this is book one of the series yes. called Painfully Embarrassing Otaku Weekend, which is a long, it's an older book, um, and I just haven't gotten around to reading it. I ordered a bunch of PEO Studios comics a while ago. I think I may have mentioned this on the previous episode, but I, that's that publishing company is like shutting down this year. So I was like, I got to buy everything I possibly can because these books are never going to get made again. Um, and so I wanted to get physical editions. So I bought these books and they finally were delivered after a couple of weeks. Um, I was drunk one night talking to Nick about this studio and he was like, what is this even? And I was like, I'm going to buy all of these books. And I'll show you exactly what they are. Uh, that was my thought. I'll show Nick, even though I live 700 miles away. Um, but anyways, I obviously had to get the, the publisher's namesake book because this is like what the studio is named after. I think it started with this book or a story that was called this and then they elaborated. Uh, but this is by Jane Mai. And the story is that she's divulging the secrets of comic festivals, the grossness, the weirdness, and more. The synopsis is Jane Mai returns to expose all the terrible, embarrassing secrets about PEOW and what it's like to actually go to comic festivals with them. This is a book that PEOW doesn't want you to see, but they don't want to, ha- but they don't really have a choice because it's Jane Mai. So I'm guessing that this is going to be really goofy, just a series of stories about like funky things that have happened at conventions. But I'm looking forward to that because I missed the con scene. I went to New York City Comic Con for 30 minutes at the end of Thursday because someone, a friend of mine who works at Read Pop, I know a friend and someone who works at Read Pop, uh, <laughs> let me borrow a badge. And uh, so I just walked around for a minute. I guess I shouldn't say borrow because that's against their rules. They didn't borrow it. I actually still have it at my house. She gave me a badge. Um, but yeah, I walked around, but I missed the con scene, folks. I miss going to comic conventions. And so I'm going to I'm going to channel that energy through this uh, this book that I'm going to read. I got book one and two, so I'm, I'm looking forward to reading at least the first one, um, which is exciting. Paloma, have, have you read this? You seem to be very under like oh, in the know here. Yeah, um, that was the book that also put me on to the publisher as a whole. Yeah, I just love like little journal comics. The art style ranges from like, you know, very simple. These are my like travel convention journals. Mm-hmm. And then, like, things change and maybe, like, things get heavier. And then I also <gasps> read this. I recently got the second one and read that. And it's still, like, zany stuff. Some of it's, like, older, like, pre-2020. Uh, and then it's delving more into, like, what it's like in, like, 2022 now with the pandemic and all that. So it's gotcha. just, just good stuff. Makes me sad that 
they're closing down, but it it's hard. I know. <laughs> I know. Exactly. Exactly. Being a publisher is very tough. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is why I was glad that I was able to get that book uh, that Lisa Sturt did, the uh, the book of rot i guess and oh, yeah. the, the frog book that they did that that looks really cute um but yeah trying to just get my hands on all these like forever going away things they're not nfts they're real books all right that was a really bad <laughs> joke so let's take a quick break <laughs> and when we come back uh we're going to talk about something that i think everyone who listens to this show has experienced the highs and lows of of being a new comics day warrior in paloma's case working the new comic books day so we'll be back in just a second This week on I Read Comic Books, we're going to be talking about what it's like to be a comic book shop shopper. That person who goes to the comic shop on Wednesday or the person that works that comic shop on Wednesday. Fortunately, we have Paloma here today who works at a comic shop, which is very exciting. But we're not just going to talk about that. Nick and I used to be pretty regular comic shop goers. I still try to be. It's hard when a comic book shop is no longer literally down the street from where you work, which is what my case was when I worked over at Comixology for a while right down the street from Midtown. But I guess to get into things, I mean, Paloma, can you talk us through what the chaos of a Wednesday looks like for you as as someone who works at a shop? Oh, yeah. So Wednesday morning specifically, or whenever your comic shop opens, it's it's fun. It's like, this is comics culture, people. Yeah. <laughs> and so... Our establishment has a door with a window, so at around maybe like 10, 15 minutes before the shop opens, you see a congregation of regulars, regular right. Wednesday warriors gathering. They sing the, the ceremonial chant <laughs> yes. to get the doors to open, yes, right? Yes, you can hear their, their humming, their Gregorian timber as you're <laughs> wrapping things up, making sure that all the nice new variants are displayed up front. We have ours like displayed up front on the counter for folks nice. to line up at. And the chaos is sometimes you're working down to the wire, making sure everything's manually. We take our hands and touch the comics and put them in people's bins. Mm. So sometimes you just have like a heavier week of subscribers getting their books. So it's like down to the wire. People ba- like touching the doorknob waiting for you to unlock it and then everyone kind of like runs in super fast maybe it's the fastest that they walk during that week and make their way over to like the variant section which is where we keep like the higher priced books mm-hmm. incentive variants is the big thing that wednesday folks are into and incentive variants for those of you that maybe don't give a rip is a comic book store if you buy maybe like 25 copies of this new Batman title, you'll get a copy of this special. For every 25 comics you buy, you get one of these variant covers. There's like one for every 100 comics, for every 50 comics, so there's a range. And that's what the people want. So it's like good energy. It's people who like know the scene. They pre-order stuff well in advance. They're waiting for stuff. They're on, They're in their little forums online trying to figure out what's hot what they can throw up on the ebay when they get it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. see that's that's the wild thing for me i i i don't even have enough energy to like remember to pre-order comics sometimes <laughs> yes. and i'll just be like shit i can't <laughs> believe i missed this new number one or this volume or something i can't imagine having so much time that you're like speculating. I know there's like websites out there, right? There's mm-hmm. like a key issue website that I think a lot of people use that are like, we know that this week something's going to happen or this special cover has got like a misprint or something because a comic shop leaked an in information. Yes. So like this is going to be worth so much money. I can't imagine having the time or energy to like get all that organized and then try to like go up and have an eBay account to sell all that stuff. So I guess kudos to those people, you know, good for them. <laughs> that's, that's I mean, the I don't know. Do we want to be encouraged? I mean, <laughs> well, that's that's true. I feel like we've, we've talked a little bit of, uh, you know, smack about folks who do that in the past, because in some ways it, it can be a bit damaging to the industry, especially when it comes to something like and it, it this varies from shop to shop, right? Of like, oh, you know, so and so character dies this issue. So everyone's got to rush out and go buy that copy of that issue because no one knew it was coming or blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden, people who are just reading the books to read the books no longer have access to that book anymore, uh, mm-hmm. which is kind of goes back to you should have pre ordered the comic, but like the industry shouldn't <laughs> exist around everyone should know what they're going to buy and read in three months in advance because some Sometimes it's hard to tell, but 
yeah, it's it's kind of it's kind of funky, right? Because yes. that 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 mix and mash of things can can be really problematic. But then you get shops who limit the number of issues you can buy, period, especially if it's a new book that just came out. I know that I listened to another podcast called Contest of Challengers, which is a great show. Um, and they talk about how when new books come out, they only allow you to buy two copies of a book, period. Um, no matter how many they have, even if they have a fat stack of 100 of them, two, two per customer, um, and that's it. And then they even go so far as to like, okay, we saw that all five of you came in, you know, together, you're all buying to it, like, don't do that. Like they discourage it, they're not going to stop you, but they're also going to chastise you for, for doing it. So it really kind of depends on the shop and how they want to encourage or discourage that behavior. I don't know. Um, and obviously, Pillow, I don't want you to speak, you know, for for whatever, if you don't feel comfortable. But still, I understand that, like, it really does vary from shop to shop on that. Kind yeah, of stuff. it's just something that you like monitor. And like, we have like, our own folks who will be like, oh, dang, there's buzz about this book online. And then we ourselves would like have to limit to like two copies or often like one copy per person. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's it's wild. I remember I was subscribed to Ms. Marvel and it was like Saladin Ahmed's run. Yeah. And there was like a new character debuting and suddenly like everyone wanted this book and shops typically once they get a feel for how many subscribers they have for a particular series and then seeing maybe how many shelf copies sell they t they will often order like just the amount they need for subscribers maybe one shelf copy mm -hmm. then there's none for the folks that maybe aren't aware and they just like ms marvel and so then they're like missing out on issues because everyone everyone suddenly needs this like ms marvel number 13 mm -hmm. and typically mm -hmm. you're not o ordering like a ton of number 13s in like a series Right. That far in this in a series, you know, it's, yeah, it's kind of tough to predict how many extra ones you want to have on the shelf. Right. Yeah. Well, Nick, what about you? You know, I know you, I guess a little bit of history between me and you. If you're a longtime listener of the show, you probably already know this. So I used to work down the road from Midtown Comics. So my Wednesdays were usually I'd leave work or maybe I'd go during my lunch break or something, walk up the street to to Midtown Comics. And then I would spend 30 to 45 minutes browsing the shelves because they're midtown comics they get copies of everything and they have the thousand dollar incentive variants and all that stuff but they'd also have regular variants and so i would just show up and i'd start to snap pictures and just send them to nick <laughs> like do you want this do you uh, want this cover? yeah that was my wednesday experience on top of buying the regular books that i was pulling and stuff like that uh, and getting you know my own special copies of, of things because how am i going to turn down a kylo ren variant of dr afra number 15 you know 16 or something whatever that was um just because i i like the look of kylo ren but uh yeah, I don't know. It was it was a wild time for there for a minute. I mean, Nick, what was your your regular day to day, you know, comic book experience like? I guess pre pandemic, obviously things have changed a little bit because of that. But yeah, I mean, I I was definitely you know a, a Wednesday warrior for a while there initially. I mean, first when I got into comics, I was really doing trades, and then I shifted to singles and classic pipeline right there. Right, right, and <laughs> <laughs> maybe not right exactly. Uh, and I, I was initially going and getting my books on Wednesdays and, um, you know, even going to multiple shops. And the 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 issue there was that I was spending um, a lot of money. You know, if you're showing up on Wednesdays, you know, there might be three or four different variant covers. There might be, you know, uh, limited variants or, you know, whatever. And they were there and present. And I think my most effective mode of conflict resolution when it came to picking which variant I wanted was to just buy all of them until I felt better about myself. <laughs> You're all coming home with me. I want all of the puppies. Um, right, right. And um, surprisingly, that's not a sustainable model. Sure. And it became a question of how do I protect myself uh, from from myself? And so I started getting my books on Saturdays. So it was like, well, oh, it's not there. It's not there. This is the only copy for me. And and of course, I had a, you know, I had my poll uh, and I still have a, a rather small poll. But uh, yeah, you know, that that kept me from really getting into the variant covers. And then I think what helped as well is when Valiant decided to go in uh, neck deep on crypto and nfts and then i was like well that just made things a heck of a lot easier right nick's pull suddenly diminished i was like uh, yeah so yeah and then of course you know with the pandemic and then 
you know, gas getting so expensive and, and everything involving that, you know, I did switch more to a digital model, which I think in, in, in terms of all the other, you know, discussions that we were just sort of going over, sure, at least sort of takes you out of the whole speculator market, which is, you know, that's nice. I don't mind that, but I, you know, I, I do miss that. I realize not everybody uh, wants to go and like try to proselytize to strangers about how good a book is or someone, you know, is like, Oh, is this any good? And you're like, well, you know, I can actually help you and I'm, I'm not a dick. So, you know, I have some opinions that you, you know, may actually find insightful. I realize not everybody wants that. Not everybody misses that. I still sort of miss that a little, you know, it's not Mm -hmm. the same, you know, it's not the same, you know, on discord or whatever, but Obviously, there are other online platforms for people to have something comparable. Yeah. Well, I mean, now, I mean, my 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 ability to get comics is, like I said, kind of hindered and stuff just because I'm a little bit further from a comic shop. But I guess back to talking about Wednesdays and stuff, I guess, Paloma, so you get your your opening day mm-hmm. um, where you've got folks coming in right when the door opens. I guess, what does the rest of your, your Wednesday look like then? Yeah, it's also a, a lot of phone calls. Uh, people want to ask what's still on our shelves. Uh, my favorite is when people call at like two in the afternoon asking if we had, you know, a very popular or anticipated variant. And I'm like, no, sir, we sold that at 11.08 a.m. We don't. <laughs> <laughs> it's been hours. It's gone. Right, right. I don't say that to them, but I can't help think it every time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it it is good energy, even like with like our folks who like want the variants. Like I went through a phase during X lives, X deaths of Wolverine. where I was like, I need every cover with Laura Kinney on it. Understandable. completely. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so it's a lot of phone calls, a lot of people like changing up their, their subscription list. It's a lot of good spitballing. You have the time and decided to read some of the comics ahead of time. You can like spitball with, the regulars being like, oh, you got to check this out. We have like a new comics wall. There's like a lot of people gathering there. It is it is a fun vibe. It's not as wild as the day progresses because it is a Wednesday. Right. But it's cool to see regular folks excited, like get the new issue of something. It's it's a good time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was always that's always something that I enjoyed, you know, about going to the shop on Wednesdays. Like I randomly had a day off because I had like a dentist thing and i was like i'm not gonna go back to work i just can't focus on anything so it's like i'm gonna go to the comic shop i can do that without thinking <laughs> so um i drove out to the shop for the first time like on a wednesday and it was it was a totally different vibe than the saturday that i normally go because i can only usually get there on the weekends um because it's like 45 minutes from my house and uh yeah i i miss that like people actually talking about books while mm-hmm. they're there or like the shop folks actually you know giving out recommendations not that they don't on saturday but i usually show up and i'm one of those people that's like i know exactly what i'm here for i'm like <laughs> i have that ron swanson moment sometimes that's <laughs> just like i know more than you you know yes <laughs> Because like, I don't know, there, I think there is like a lot of different calibers of folks that show up to shops on Wednesdays or any day of the week, really, where like the amount of research that goes into them showing up at the shop in general is because they already know what they're going to buy or they maybe they're here for Spider-Man, but maybe you can sell them on something else. I think that's that's where a little bit more of the liveliness come, comes from. But I'm one of those people where it's like I've seen every book that's come out this week already. I've researched. I know which ones I'm going to grab. So I'm not showing up necessarily to grab something randomly off the shelf um, that came out this week. If anything, I'm here to like grab a trade or something that like maybe I missed from a previous week or that just looks interesting because I'm only spending $10 today and I need to hit that $25 mark so I can get a free bag or whatever it might be for your <laughs> shop, right? But yeah, I always I, I love that that vibe of Wednesday, just the, the chatter of people talking about comics it is is both exciting and frustrating or all emotions at once, because sometimes you're like, no, no, that's actually not what's happening in this X-Men story. But I don't want to spoil it because clearly you haven't read these three other books that tie into that thing. So I'm not going to jump in, um, but I'm not really someone that's going to just like randomly pick up into a conversation um, just because I have that social anxiety issue. Uh, but yeah, still, it's, it's, a, it's a totally different thing. It's very fun. Um, all the all the less or nonetheless. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Nick, do you miss it? Do you miss that Wednesday vibe? Um. I, I don't miss that there was this one shop I used to go to on Wednesdays, uh, a, like a tertiary 
shop and there was this one guy there who would always buy every single Marvel and every single DC book that came out that week. And so you had to keep an eye on him because you wanted to make sure you didn't get behind him in the line at the register. Otherwise you were going to be there for about 10 minutes. And like, it's not even like he was chatting. They were just having to check out all of his books. And so you would just have to, if he came in the shop, you'd have to be like, shit, I need to, I need to check out right now. I need to get my um so oh, you know um i don't miss that but i do miss you know going into a, a knowledgeable and informed shop and and having people that knew what you liked but you know weren't going to be pushy or weren't going to push things that they knew you didn't like you know sure. just informed customer service right and 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 i do miss some of that and there were moments um and, and again not unlike just being on discord or whatever there were moments where you suddenly strike up a conversation with someone about a new book coming out. But I think obviously those sorts of moments are more, you know, apt to happen or more organic in a store atmosphere, I guess you could say. So yeah, you know, some of that, some of that I miss. I don't miss that DC Marvel guy, but um, yeah. (laughs) God, that's like a whole dedicated box just for one person, right? Like God forbid that person doesn't show up one week or like for three or four weeks in a row. Like I know I, I, at one point in college, I will fully own this. I, there was a time where I like didn't go to the shop for like three or four or five months. And I kept getting calls from the shop. They're like, Hey Mike. And I was like, don't worry. I'm, I'm working a second job to try to pay for all these comics. Cause that's where I was in my subscription. And then I, when I went to buy the comics, I almost had to get a long box just to take all the books home. Like there was a time when I had a problem. I'll just, let's just be there. We've all been there. Yeah. But like, Oh my gosh, like being that person in line, it was like I had to have gone on like a Saturday night when no one was going to be there because they were just going to be ringing me up for like 10 minutes straight. Um, <laughs> it's, it's wild, wild stuff. Like they had already dedicated a separate box just for my pulls, knowing that I was eventually going to come out. But um, yeah, I think Brian, Brian said in the chat, I, th- I think he was there for that. I think Brian at the time had to drive me to the shop because I didn't have a car. Like <laughs> different world, totally different world we were living in. <laughs> But I do think if we ever do like a big IRCB meetup, we'll have to go and do it somewhere where there is a comic shop that we can go to. Um, And since there's going to be like dozens and hundreds of people, we'll have to find a big comic shop. But uh, still, it'll be it'll be fun. Um, I don't know. (laughs) I guess like with the with the, you know, growth of of manga, I guess, Paloma, what is what does it look like then for folks who are coming in? Like to just to get those books or like because I, I, I you know, I've I've been to the shop that you work at. I've been to a lot of other shops as well. And I see every time, especially over the last four or five years and especially since the beginning of the pandemic, I don't know what happened, but like manga has just grown in every single store. Everyone has a dedicated manga spot because one, it sells mm-hmm. like like hotcakes and two, like that that market is growing here in the United States exponentially, almost outgrowing or outpacing the um single issue market so like what's that like because those books don't necessarily come out on wednesday because how how do you guys handle that stuff yeah so us in particular uh i think like new books like graphic novels slash manga come out on tuesdays we just throw everything out on wednesday regardless it is pretty it's pretty wild and uh our subscriber bins are in drawers and we put manga in there as well because they fit the width of our drawers and -hmm. some folks are only subscribed to manga and viz so like shonen jump stuff like they can come out pretty regularly i know typically for mm-hmm. manga it's like minimum feels like minimum three months before like a new volume but some viz series i feel like almost come out monthly so it's just like <laughs> piling in there i won't necessarily mm-hmm. say manga people are wednesday warriors but we see their stuff on wednesdays yeah yeah and a lot of folks are subscribing to manga because you kind of have to there was like a big I feel like in 2020, 2021, we just could not meet like publishers, whoever is printing the comics could not meet the demand. And so Mm -hmm. if you wanted to get Chainsaw Man, you just had to subscribe at that point. (laughs) Uh, Yes, I know that pain. (laughs) Yes, but it's it's been huge. We have a lot of folks subscribing who like come in as manga subscribers and then they're like, you know what? I'll add some comics, too. Mm -hmm. So it's it's good stuff. We just got this is like the general industry news. For October, the top 20 like best-selling graphic novels, I feel like 
nine, if not more, of like the titles were all manga, or at least nine were Viz yeah. publications, which is wild. Like Saga Volume Ten was twenty, was like number twenty on the list, and it was like all Chainsaw Man, and that's so insane <laughs> because Saga for years has been like in that top 20 list even when it was on hiatus i think mm-hmm. even like the year or two at like or so after it came out or it was paused like it was still up there because so many people were getting caught up now it was all out. they had the big saga you know omnibus that came out and everything yeah. so that that's crazy i'm gonna just jump into a, a side tan- tangent really quick just because um we're talking about saga at some point when i first started using tiktok i started seeing like content that was about comics and like that stuff really hit is hit or miss for me but i also somehow ended up on like the book talk side of tiktok right there is this guy uh who i had seen a couple videos from and he had some really interesting good thoughts about sci-fi and fantasy he read a lot of that so he was always giving like here's a recommendation of a book and he talked about it for a minute and at one point he picked up saga and he had the omnibus like the full whole thing and he's like this is a really good book and the way he talked about it is as if that was the only way you could get it. And I was so, I forgot. I forgot that the world does not exist in the comic book bubble that I'm in because at no point did he talk about it being issues or serialized or published monthly or coming out in smaller volumes. He was like, this is the only way you can read it. And I was like, wow. I was like, we we live in a bubble. Like, it's totally true. (laughs) Just, I remember just being floored by that. Um, And of course, I didn't try to get on there and push up my glasses and say, um, actually, it's technically a serialized 22 page at issue. Well, I wasn't going to be that person. Um, But it was, it just blew my mind. And and then it got me thinking, why don't we pitch all comic books like that to to non-comic book readers, right? Take omnibus editions and say, here, this is a 12, 12 chapter story about this character called vision and just like don't act like it's a serialized comic just like get away from it and just say this is just a chaptered story you'll you'll really enjoy it um yeah anyways i just that always that blew my mind when i saw it because i'm like saga the issue to issue thing is like even a bit is as a reader like the hooks at the end of each volume anyways it just blew my mind so side tangent there um I don't know. Sorry. Now I've now I've completely lost. I think we've talked about all the points that I I wanted to get through about this. I don't know if there's anything else you guys wanted to bring up talking about being a regular comic shop goer, being a Wednesday warrior. Um, what are your final thoughts here? Or Nick, I should say. I never do this. I always do this poorly. Nick, what are you, any, any final thoughts from you? <laughs> um, no, I mean, I, I, I think we covered everything. I, I think it's definitely something that everybody should try, you know, if they have the opportunity, if you have a shop near you when you're up for some social interaction and supporting a local business, go right ahead, you know, give it a try. Just, uh, um, uh, stay away from the variant, uh, uh, variants. <laughs> Otherwise your, your financial well being may be in dire straits. Right. One day, Nick, I'll get you that, that, that metal uh, steel the, cover of that valiant book that, that we Psy Lords number one. Yeah, I'll get you yeah. a copy of that because it yeah. was snatched out from underneath me at, yeah. at my old job. <laughs> Paloma, any, any last thoughts from you? Yeah, I will say I'm definitely being a lot less scathing than I could be of maybe the a particular vibe of Wednesday Warriors. Sure. But it is fun. I remember being like a teen in the summer and my Wednesdays were free and experiencing like Wednesday new comic book day. So I do think it's fun and I do think people should try it out. It's, I understand with Saturdays, sometimes that's that's your day off, but the shop vibe is just different because uh, my shop is like way busier on Saturdays. You get a lot more of the normies. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a different vibe. So if you do like comics, I would recommend trying out a new comic book day. I do think the yeah. vibes are really great. Hell yeah. I dig that. I totally dig that. Um, well, I guess to, to wrap things up, yeah, I will... Uh... I, I'm going to have to try to get out to my shop on a Wednesday. Maybe just like try to take a longer lunch break if I can and just like pretend that I'm, you know, say that I'll make up the hours later. But uh, <laughs> I guess for now, um, thank you, Paloma and Nick, for doing this episode. This is a lot of fun. I'm glad we got to chat about a bunch of different stuff. And I, it makes me nostalgic for the times where I could go to a comic shop on Wednesday every week. 
Um, but until next time, I guess uh, next week's episode, it's going to be me and Kara and Paul. We're going to be talking about big, bombastic, stupid comics that are dumb but fun, which should be a blast because I'm sure that Paul's going to bring something to the table that I'm going to be <laughs> completely confounded by. So excited for that. Um, make sure to always check us out on Instagram, Twitter, dis- TikTok. We got a Discord. We got a links to all that stuff in our show notes and our Goodreads. We're almost to a thousand members on Goodreads. And once we hit a thousand, we're going to be doing a merch giveaway. So make sure you go join that if you're not already a member. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash IRCB podcast and get access to things like IRCB Movie Club, the Saga of Saga episode that we just dropped recently, and so much more. Infinity Shred is the best band in the universe. They do all of our music. Xander lives. Thank you for Paloma and Nick for recording with me today. Thank you to Brian for proof listening. Thank you to everyone on Discord for hanging out with us today. And until next time, comics are good, and so are you. Okay.